Welcome to Ashamed of Thrones, your weekly recap podcast for HBO's, mm, I'm going to say third eye blind of a TV show, A Game of Thrones. My name is Doug, with me as always is Brian. And, good evening, uh, Douglas. Good evening. So right before we started recording, you said your uh, co-workers uh, had some kind of happy hour after work and were drinking something called a Mos- Ma- Moscow Mule? Yeah, I'm surprised you never heard of the Moscow Mule. Um, but then again, I don't know if I, I heard it about it until maybe a year or two ago. It's a ginger beer, vodka, and uh, some other shit. I don't even remember. But you said it any- comes in like a, a pewter can or something, or a no, copper a copper mug, copper, yeah, <laughs> a copper the pail. Co- the copper's of- supposed to do something, and I don't remember what it is. And actually, the place that we went to. The mugs, the exterior was copper, but the interior was copper, thus defeating any purpose of serving the drink in a copper mug. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess it's just to trick the idiots who order the Moscow Mule. Yeah, uh, I think a lot of a lot of people like it, though, and I think it's gaining popularity. Well, you said ginger beer. Is ginger beer a new thing? Because that's something I just learned about. Um, I don't know. Has it been around? I'm not entirely sure if it's different than ginger ale. I don't, I don't really know. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure. Guys, let, taken the- let us know. Yeah, please. Okay, so uh, let's get down to business. Exologists here. All right, so uh, we are gathered here today to talk <laughs> about episode 10, uh, the season finale of season two of Game of Thrones, entitled Valar Morghulis. Um, you know, this is a wrap-up uh, episode, uh, you know, season finales, usually are the denouement or the coming down of what happened in the fallout of the previous episode nine being where they shoot their load. And uh, this is this does not break our expectations. Um, I think it was a solid episode. Uh, I don't think it really propelled me uh, to find out what's going to happen next season so much. Uh, but I thought it was a nice wrap up. So I don't know. I'm kind of that's where I am with this. What are you feeling? Initial impressions? I, I agree with that. I like the episode. Uh, not it wasn't. I wouldn't put it in the top ten, but. Probably wouldn't put it in the bo- bottom ten either, yeah. especially because I have kind of low expectations for episode tens and episode ones because you kind of know they're setting the table for this season uh, to come. That sounds about right. All right, you mm-hmm. want to jump right in? Yeah, so we open to Tyrion Lannister. He's having flashbacks, or at least hearing flashbacks, awakes to see Pycelle uh, lingering over him. Apparently, he's still recovering from the face lash that he suffered. He regains consciousness, recalls uh, calls for Podrick, and tells uh, Podrick arrives, tells uh, Podrick to find Varys or Bronn and to tell them that he's still alive. Pycelle's lingering around, uh, kind of hovering over top of Tyrion, offers some pain medication. Like a real creep. Yeah, a real super creep. Uh, Pycelle provides uh, Tyrion an update on what happened at the with the war. Kind of gleefully tells Tyrion that he's no longer the hand of the king and he's relegated to these smaller chambers because he doesn't need larger chambers. Uh, Pycelle goes to exit, throws a coin at uh, Tyrion. It says, for your troubles, repeating what Tyrion did to Pycelle a few episodes ago when uh, Tyrion called out Pycelle for being a piece of garbage. Um, that's the end of the episode, and I'd like to say, fuck Pycelle. Yeah. Uh, it's so awful. Yeah, this scene was terrible. It's like one of those things where, like, somebody's trying to get back at you, and you're just like, listen, I, I don't care. Like, or, like, yeah, it, it's just so ineffectual. Like, he thinks, like, this is the bee's knees. Like, uh, Tyrion's really going to be sad and upset, where he's just groggy and trying to come to grips with where the fuck he is. 
You know, it's just. No, a, I, I would like to say I'm not sure if I qualified this as, as the bee's knees. <laughs> no, I no, Pycelle thinks no, it's the bee's knees. No, I know, but I, even that seems far. I might think it's the cast pajamas, but I don't okay, know if it's the bee's right. knees. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Pycelle, you know, would have been great. Is like Pycelle goes, he tells him all that shit, and he goes, "Oh, by the way, you now have AIDS," <laughs> and then he holds up like a, a <laughs> syringe. <laughs> what? Okay. BT does. I saw you, you know, I saw your make fun of me and throw a coin at me and I met you with giving you AIDS or whatever, you know, they had back then. Let's call it Essence of Nightshade. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you're getting at. But, but no, um, <laughs> I'm just saying that like the uh, Picel should have really stuck it to him instead of being like a verbally, you know, trying to verbally spar with, um, you know, uh, Tyrion and try to hurt his feelings. That just washed right over him. He's just trying to deal with the fallout of what actually happened. And I guess Pycelle delivered that news, but Pycelle isn't the cause of Tyrion's anger or no. discomfort at all. So that's this is what I'm just circling back to reinforce what you said. Fuck Pycelle. Yeah, well, immunodeficiency uh, <laughs> syndromes aside. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, don't, I, I think the Lannisters are still in charge of this thing, I guess. Pycelle's kind of feeling his oats and thinking that maybe he's protected by Cersei, but I mean, I think that Pycelle should still be afraid of Tyrion and what Tyrion can do. I mean, Tyrion could still just like get somebody to kill Pycelle, and I don't think anybody would give that big of a shit if Pycelle was offed. But um, no, no, I think I think that's what Tyrion should have done, and um, Tyrion had him thrown in the black cells, which is no small thing. On the show, that's kind of glossed over, but. Being in the black cells, it's it's solitary confinement, no sunlight, because you're in a dungeon. Sure. You know, and it's not like they're feeding you great. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. And there's probably no, uh, you know, just for men to get your, uh, you know, gray beard all nice and silver. I don't know. It just seems awful. So, um, yeah, the, this taunting just seems childish. Um, so, fuck Pycelle. Yeah. So, where do we go next, Doc? All right. So, we go to the throne room, and this scene begins with a big pile of horseshit. Uh, which I think is crass the way they did it, uh, but it was pulled from the books and it is appropriate because what we're about to see is all horseshit. It's all theatrics. Uh, so Tywin comes in on a horse for whatever reason. He's named by Joffrey to be champion of the city or savior of the city and renamed Hand of the King. He's already the Hand of the King. I don't know why I proclaim it again. Tyrion was just holding it for him, keeping it warm, as it were. Uh, then uh, Littlefinger is brought forward and rewarded for his service by bringing the Tyrells into the fold, and he's granted Harrenhal, or Harrenhal, you know how I have trouble with that. And more importantly, uh, this just, you know, besides having Harrenhal and its lands, this elevates uh, Littlefinger to an actual lord, so they called him Lord Littlefinger, but he wasn't a lord, of, he was a lord of pig shit uh, before. Uh, now he's he actually has lord status and can marry a noble uh, lady, which is what he does later. He can be part of. He's basically just powered up, uh, one upped himself with a large, you know, Super Mario mushroom kind of deal. Anyway, then Loras is brought up front and uh, congratulated by Joff for his service. And Joff asks him what his heart desire is, and it turns out his heart desire is to have Joffrey have sex with his sister, Large Marge, uh, and marry her. And um, and she's brought forward and she says the words root deep inside of me, which is pretty gross <laughs> and subtle. Uh, they then uh, come up with reasons and have this fake conversation between uh, Pycelle, Cersei, and Joffrey about how, no, I can't marry you. I'm, pr- I'm promised to Sansa. 
And uh, eventually they come up with bullshit reasons why they don't. he doesn't have to marry Sansa. Uh, and he gets out of it and proclaims to... Uh, says, yes, I will marry Marjorie. Everybody's like, yay. Including Sansa. So she's relieved, happy relieved. She walks away. Uh, but Littlefinger ruins it all by dropping some knowledge bombs and saying that it's going to actually be worse for her now because it's not like she's going to go home and Joffrey will still have sex with her, but he'll be able to beat her and rape her without any kind of impunity because she's not, she won't have any power as the queen. Uh, so that sucks. And then uh, Littlefinger also says that... Um, her mother was like a sister to him, and I guess he means in a Lannister way. Uh, and then he's offering to protect her and take her home to uh, Winterfell. So that was a lot, I, but... Um, yeah, so the sister thing, I think, is... I think he's trying to set up... He's grooming Sansa without betraying his feelings towards Cat. you know? Um, so why the poop? Like, like I said, it was in the books, but it was kind of like... Um, I think the horse was already in the throne room or something, and it wasn't like right in your face. But I really think it was foreshadowing to to what this was. This was all horseshit or made up. Or uh, I guess it was kind of jarring that Tywin rode in a, on a horse into the throne room. <laughs> yeah, but that's the way it was in the books as well. So I can't fault D and D for that. Okay. I can that's fault fine. them for their their choice of camera angle and the. I think the uh, sound effect was the most upsetting. Yeah, yeah. But that's just me. I- I did like uh, when Littlefinger made the joke about getting grandsons and sons or whatever. Uh, if you watch closely, you saw Varys standing there and Varys like did not – who was the only person that didn't laugh and kind of looked around the room like, what the fuck is everybody laughing at? <laughs> this isn't funny. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Marjorie kind of has it all hanging out. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you mean I, her like bird chest uh, with the V collar that she's got going yeah, on? Yeah, it's odd. I don't know that anybody like really shows Cleve in the show – but she's like just like forcing it out as much as she can. I mean, I, mean, I guess that's part of her. But uh, I mean, the the uh, it was all just like the the whole thing was ridiculous between her and and uh, Joffrey and just her her weird cleavage hanging out. So, and I wanted to ask you. So the whole like uh, the the determination of the. Or, or like the where Joffrey saying I can't marry him, I'm, I'm promised to another, and then Cersei speaking up, no, you, and then uh, obviously Pycelle steps in. Or is that all? Do you think that was kind of like a little play? Do you think they all? No, like, that's that's what I'm saying. That's why I it was all that was all a play. That was all for show, which is why the horseshit. Gotcha. Okay, I could I went back and forth between like if they're all in on it, or if some of them were in on it, or. You know, if or if it was spontaneous, I, I am a hundred percent convinced they are all in on it. Fair enough. Okay, but that's just my opinion. I could be totally wrong because who knows? I think it is on the on the second. You know, I watched it a little bit before taking notes, and then on the second watching, well, I took notes. I think I was more convinced that it was just they all came up with this before this this scene happened uh, to kind of play out, especially if they. Would have already consulted with the Tyrells, which I'm sure happened uh, by virtue of Littlefinger's relationship oh, yeah. with. Yeah, so I think this is all. Uh, but it was interesting because I didn't even the first time I watched it, I did not think that this was planned out the way the way it went down. So, oh, makes uh, sense. Yeah, and Littlefinger is completely grooming Sansa. Uh, we talked about the right. phrase "grooming" before. Um, uh. that, that that's what's happening there. It's it's weird, um, and it's not it's not in the books. I think. Uh, that uh, that drunk guy. Yeah, Dantos is really the only. Yeah. Besides, I can't remember. 
But I think besides the tournament where the um, the mountain kills that horse and gets into a tussle with uh, the hound at the at the beginning in season one, yeah. I think that might be the only direct um, interaction that Littlefinger has with Sansa before uh, he helps her escape. I think it's all Dantos. Yeah, yeah, and I understand that. They're just cutting to the chase, but removing the layers, I think, removes some degree of injury that was present in the book, but... Uh, you can't you can't do it all in the, in the show. I think no, we you definitely it. can't, and that's going to be yeah. made very apparent as this episode goes on. We'll yes, yeah, so yeah, so some interesting removals. So we go back to uh, next scene is uh, Ra. She's at the brothel covering a black eye. Uh, a hooded man arrives, and of course it's Varys. She tries to give him the hard sale on uh, banging a prostitute. He's not more interested. More like the limp sale. Well, more like the non-existent sale. Well, so <laughs> metaphorically. Well, we don't know what's going on down there. You could have a little stump. Um, various, <laughs> various attempts to recruit her. Uh, the basis is that he protects his spies. Um, and, you know, it kind of made me wonder, the way that Ross responded, if Littlefinger was involved in her being turned over to Cersei as Tyrion's prostitute. I'm not sure what exactly transpired between the, them. Um, so you think, all right, so that's interesting. I mean, I, yeah. I I don't know how Roz ended up in that position because it's all somewhat uh, show invention, uh, but I, I didn't think Littlefinger was involved. I think it was just that they saw her with the lion brooch or whatever, and Cersei had her grabbed, and Littlefinger had nothing to do with the Roz interaction. I'm not sure. The dialogue kind of left it open. To me, because what what uh, Varys was saying is that he protects his spies. So if Littlefinger was protecting his employees, well, he he was referring to the the fact where Joffrey will where Joffrey beat the shit out of or had them beat the shit out of. Oh yeah, you know what? I I think that's the explanation. I think you're right. I think that's what he might have been referring to, and not the uh, Tyrion stuff. Yeah, I don't think it had anything to do with the Tyrion stuff, but um, yeah. Uh, finish out the scene, and I think I have a couple more things to say. Yeah. So eventually she realizes who he is uh, after she realizes uh, Varys doesn't have a dick. Um, He's just got I don't a know why. wart. Where's the... <laughs> or yeah, I, I don't know why she didn't recognize him prior, because you think the the large bald <laughs> man um, who's, who appears in different places, and, and I mean, I'm sure she's... You would think that she at least would have seen him in a public place, place, but whatever. Uh, she realizes who he is. He refers to, he tries to recruit her. Think says that she, Littlefinger looks at her nothing but a collection of profitable holes. <laughs> Another great D and D line there. Yep, terrific. <laughs> uh, she is apparently interested, but she's afraid because uh, he's dangerous. Uh, Littlefinger uh, very says that everyone has their weaknesses. Some hide them well. But apparently, Littlefinger does not hide them as well as he thinks. Kind of smirks to end the scene, and I don't really know what that referred to. I, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure it ever was borne out in the show. I, all I know is how Roz ends up, and Roz ends up murdered by Joffrey with a bunch of arrows. Yeah. But little, it, it is in this whole thing where Littlefinger has this chaos as a ladder speech, rubbing in his face that he knew that Roz was getting turned by um, Varys. Uh, right to work for him and Littlefinger knew the whole time I don't think Roz was in on it because she ended up dead but what do I know um I I, I don't know what Varys might be referring to um yeah 
besides the whole Catlin thing, which doesn't that seems to be his only weakness is he has a soft spot for Catlin who, you know, is not gonna be around very much longer. And I don't know how Varius can take advantage of that. Yeah, it's not that that doesn't seem like a big weakness. It doesn't seem like a giant hole. No. And, yeah, and you know what uh what also what also is disappointing about the show is in the books, Varys is like a master of disguises. Yeah. And the show just kind of like has him put on a hood and then walk around. Whereas like in the show, he's like Sherlock Holmes dressing up as other people. You never know unless he took off his makeup, you know? Right. And I guess the show didn't know how to handle that or didn't want to. uh, Because, yeah, it's pointed out that he is a thespian or what they call a mummer in the books. Um, So he's good with makeup. But I don't know if the show knew how to like do fake makeup that could be believable to the people in the world but obvious as a disguise to everybody else in the show or who's watching the show um i can see how that'd be a pain in the ass from a production standpoint but um i don't know how it would you just have them show up a couple hours early and put on enough makeup me. Nope. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just an old man i'm not here to yeah like gene parmesan from just a couple, i was thinking more uh tobias funke when he dressed up like miss Dalfire. but oh um, goodness um, yeah. but yeah, that's anything else about this? No, no, that's all. All right. So we move on and, uh, we're with, uh, the Jamie and Brianne show and they just docked their boat on this, on the, from the river and decided to take up on the road. Uh, Jamie's just a dick asking about her sexual history. The worst. Yeah. They see a few hanged women. I think it's not hunged, which hung, which I have a problem with the whole hanged hung thing. But anyway, they find uh, some women hanging by their... That's exactly what your wife said. <laughs> oh, he's not hung. Okay, okay. so uh, they have a, they see these uh, women hung by uh, nooses with a sign that says they lay with lions, which means they probably slept with Lannisters uh, and were probably murdered by Northmen. Uh, Brienne stops to cut them down. Jamie doesn't think this is a good idea, and it probably isn't because they're interrupted by three Northmen. Uh, started asking a lot of questions after making fun of Brienne for being, uh, you know, uh, abnormally large. Uh, when they start asking questions, Brienne and Jamie both pretend that he's a common thief uh, that's just being transported. Uh, but eventually, one of them recognizes Jamie, uh, and Brienne proceeds to kill them all pretty quickly and viciously. Um, <laughs> and uh, at one point, she literally murders an unarmed guy uh, for the sake of girl power. By uh, running him through with her sword real quick uh, as vengeance for one of the girls who didn't die quickly, died slow. Um, so I'm not a big fan of how they changed Brienne's character for the show. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't like this scene. There's a lot of points I wrote down about it. First, the, the Jamie dialogue is really tiresome. Yeah, uh, it's too one, one note. Yes, it absolutely is. Um and it, it, I think, but I think it also ties into your general uh, theory about the show that he doesn't—he's not redeemed as he should have been with the book. I don't, I don't think any of this stuff comes in. Also, I understand Brienne is uh, all about girl power. That's great, but the importance of her mission versus like, do we just cut down these dead people? Um, it really seems out of out of line to like be that concerned about these corpses versus getting Jamie Lannister. To where he's supposed to go, and why are they even on that land? Um, I, I'm just going to keep rattling off these questions. Interrupt me. All right. Well, let's I'll interrupt thoughts. you there because you have you have notes and I don't for this. So yeah, I will say that um, in the book, God, I hate saying that phrase, but in the book, 
They, no, no, it's, it's important because she does stop to like say, "Hey, we need to take down these corpses," because she's naive. Her whole character in the book is she's a naive uh, do-gooder. That same naive do-gooder instinct that gets her to want to cut down these women is kind of repurposed for the show as a solidarity moment between her and the women, and she identifies with them. In the show, in the book, she doesn't really identify as a woman. She's kind of like a, you know, a question mark as far as her sexuality. She's like a loner. But even even then, like the whole the whole uh, point for him, her doing that in the book was this naive, noble sense that she has to do good because she wants to be like the ideal knight. And uh, that is at odds when she disarms a man and he's on the ground. And she slowly sticks her sword through his belly and murders him. This is why I don't think the Brienne in the books would ever uh, murder Stannis Baratheon. But, uh, you know, that's just me. Sure. So uh, how does people know that she's a woman? Very good point. Because she... <laughs> it's not like, I would, her, I mean, it's I not like her armor has, like, uh, tit... Yeah, uh, giant fake boobs. <laughs> and, yeah, giant fake boobs for armor. That's a very good point. I mean, she kind of just looks like a... Uh, I mean, she could, like... If you saw like that person in armor, in armor, I would think, is, like, hey, a, that's there's Stephen Merchant from uh, Hello Ladies. Yeah, that, his armor is like a, a signal of man, um, and I would argue that Renly is more, more <laughs> attractive as a woman than she is. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, but uh, yeah, I thought that was odd that people just assume that she's a woman. You would think that like if the, those gender roles are so defined that it's striking that a woman is a knight that. You wouldn't assume that her just being in that armor is a woman. I don't know how people pick up on it, but I don't know. Um, Keep going. The whole, the whole like, uh, what's his name thing. I don't. I think the easy solution there would have been to just say I don't know by her, and then that would have answered the question. You know, she's. The, yeah, well, it's it's one. It's <laughs> once again like when you're in a situation, you don't let somebody else take control. Like this is what good politicians do. Like if somebody says, "What's his name?" You go one, two. I don't have time for this. Get the fuck out of my way, and just yeah. refuse to answer. Don't let yourself I be. I want to talk about this. Right? Or I go. Wait a minute. What's your name, sir? Whatever. I have it on. You know, Catelyn uh, Stark's commands to do this, and like maybe drop some knowledge about. I don't know. You just you just don't let somebody else take control of the situation right. and sit back and like easy solution to it, but. The stab in the dick, absolutely brutal. Um, I did kind of enjoy it because, like, if that they're killing women, the prostitutes in the this land. Um, yeah, I mean, they're just making they don't a have living. a choice, right? Yeah, well, I don't even know if they are making a living so much as they have a choice. But um, well, then the I, last, they they don't. I, I will say they don't. They they are making a living, and that's they they see that as the only choice, and they probably might be like like just to be a prostitute to make it. And oh, I, there's. Definitely not any sexual slavery back then. Well, that's or, uh, but that's the, what I mean. Like, solution. yeah, I don't think they have a choice. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And then so then even after that thing goes down, she goes to bury the bodies. Didn't she just learn her fucking lesson? Get out of there! What I are guess you doing? Not. No, she's, no, a, she's yeah. a badass, and she does what he wants. She wants, which is the lesson you have to yeah. learn. I guess. I guess. Uh. So next. So we go to uh, Rob and Cat are meeting, and Rob uh, tells Cat that he is breaking his vow to marry the Frey because he loves Talisa. Cat tries to convince him that arranged marriages are kind of cool sometimes. No dice, he's not <laughs> interested in the phrase. Uh, fuck his honor. 
Cat uh, tries to bring in uh, or reference uh, his dad's honor, but I mean, you know, at this point, who gives a shit? And Rob has every right, I think, to ignore what Cat has to say because Cat's put him in a terrible position. I mean, her not she's a betrayer at this point. So he and Talisa are going to get married. Yeah, I have two notes here. Uh, the first yeah. one is, yeah, she says, if your father was alive. Uh, his life, and he comes back with like the Batman. My father is dead. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like yeah. just saying you can't talk about my dad. He's dead, and then he throws away. He throws the yeah the Jamie Lannister being uh, set free by her right back in her face. And I'm it, not even sure why he's consulting with her. Fuck her at this point. She she completely betrayed him. Well, she um, is his mother. I mean, I, well, you know, I don't talk to my mom anymore. But you're right. In the book, she's immediately locked up in uh, River Run um, yeah. because of this. Uh, you know, I guess what? the show didn't go to River Run I, yet. So. I didn't talk to my mom anymore. We were involved in a hostage situation, and she released somebody I didn't want her to release. And <laughs> Wait, you were taking hostages? My family. What the hell? Uh, I don't want to get into it. But Are you in like, the, the Ma Barker uh, clan? I don't know. <laughs> no, it was the Hatfields versus the McCoys. There it, it is. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. So... Um, now we go back to Dragonstone um, for a fucked up weird uh, scene here. Uh, Stannis <laughs> is all sad that he didn't win the big battle, uh, and he's starting to blame Melisandre. Um, he asks the same thing that many people ask about uh, Miss Cleo when they found out she died. Why didn't she see this all coming? <laughs> and why didn't she call you? <laughs> right, so Stannis uh, gets frustrated with her. Uh, when she doesn't have any answers for him or the you know, same answers, just believe in me, the Lord of Light, all that crap. And he starts to fucking choke her. Uh, and he says, oh, I want to see how you fight. And the way she fights is she stops resisting and just submits and lets herself be choked. Showing that she believes, showing her belief, either in Stannis or the Red God, it's unclear. Um, uh, and he asks, where is your God now? And she says it's inside of Stannis. Which, uh, I don't know, from a philosophical standpoint, we can talk about that in a second. He then lets her go, uh, and while she's, you know, recovering, he laments what I guess is really bothering him, the fact that he murdered his own brother. Um, she then consoles him and promises that he will be king after he portrays everything he loves and holds dear, which I guess falls through with the whole, you know, he loses his wife and his daughter, he burns alive later. Um, but, you know, he's not the king, or he's not uh, Azor High. Yet, he's not confirmed dead yet, so there's still a sliver of hope. But anyway, um, he wants proof, and she tells Stannis to look in the fire and asks if he sees, and he says he does. So, lots of questions. I'll let you So start. many questions. Yeah, first of all, I still want that table that they have in the middle of that room. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I would give any awesome for that, anything for that dining room table. Can you uh, pass the but, gravy? Fuck, I gotta get up. What's that? <laughs> Can you pass the gravy down here? You know yeah. you're gonna have to get up because that's a big fucking table. You're down near Dorn, a, near the that's where the gravy is, and you're up that'd by. Be a, you'd have to get a, like a lazy Susan that is the size of like four tables, four normal tables. But it's crazy. Yeah, I think it is crazy, and it's a good point that um, that he betrayed his own brother and killed him. I mean, I I, I struggle to, f- to figure out where that fits on his moral code, even though he thinks that his brother betrayed him. It's still, gosh. I think in his moral code, it's all the, you know, it's the rules. And I guess like, but you're right. It's like, 
it seems arbitrary and it is it's just human choice like it's just choice like what rules do you follow which which code or which laws are you going to obey and which ones are you not uh yeah. you know i'm sure he feels justified because his brother was uh, a usurper and trying to take the throne from him when he clearly believed that the laws dictated that he should be the king but the laws also dictate you don't kill your fucking brother um, exactly so it's 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 just strange it's just people this is a bigger point about human uh human nature and the reality the nature of reality people just do what the fuck they want and then they look for the justifications afterwards because if you followed all the rules uh, you know you're going to be you're going to come into conflict eventually you're going to be a hypocrite yeah and that's why i like outback steakhouse no rules just right <laughs> Oh. <laughs> no, and no hypocrisy. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, 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 what is really interesting to me is that um, that she, that Melisandre's had all these predictions, and I, I guess the predictions are supposed to be accurate in the long term, but none of them come true for him. Yeah. So I guess they're going to come true for Jon Snow because otherwise, like the Lord of Light is a complete liar, or I. I you know, I, I don't think that the like the prophecies that she's seeing are like open to interpretation where, you know, like a doomsday cult can say this book's you know, if you read every fifth letter of this book or something like that. I mean I think her the, what the information that she's receiving is either accurate or it's not. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think we need to divulge or go off on a tangent here on Because how is she this wrong about Stannis? We that's okay, so the whole tangent is What's actually magic and what's bullshit? So, like, if you read the last book, which was A Dance of Dragons, she gets a POV chapter where she talks about, like, a lot of her magic is done with, like, potions and, and like, parlor tricks. But mm-hmm. it's, a consist- it, it's consistent or it's uh, thought of in the fandom that the one thing she can do that is magical, I mean, besides the Shadow Babies, is see the future in the flames. Uh, but that is supposedly up to interpretation a little bit. Um, I, I just don't know if, like, Stannis seeing that, is is Stannis seeing the future, and what is he seeing? It, it seems just, it's just way too vague um, from yeah, our I don't perspective. The show, the, I think the show tries to portray it as this is going to be accurate. It, it, I don't think the show does a good job of, like portraying that it's open to interpretation or that it could be wrong or that it could be about somebody else. I mean, up until like Stannis fell, I was, I thought that she was completely accurate about everything and it was going to come eventually, you know? Well, that's the thing is, uh, what, yeah. What, what does she have wrong? We still don't know what she has wrong and what she has right. Um, I still think Stannis could be as or I just, I don't want it to be true. <laughs> I I, th- I think uh, with the interviews ba- with the guy who yeah, played, he says he's done. Yeah, and he didn't like the thing. Which you know what? Go fuck yourself. Yeah, Anyways. that guy didn't like the show in general. Um, yeah, don't be don't be an asshole. I just say yeah, it was a good time. Going it, back I mean, to what she said about like, hey, where's your god now? And and she says it's inside you. Do you think she just meant it from like a holistic like karma? There is one yeah, god. I and- don't think that he's got a junior situation going on. <laughs> You don't think he has yeah. a he's, no. he's he has a baby shadow baby growing inside him? No, I don't. I don't. What so? What do you think she meant by that? I I think just means like th- that he is the reincarnation of Azor Ahai. So he's like, so like 
he has a Holy he's, Spirit he's inside him, and the Holy yeah. Spirit is God. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to understand. No, I, I think that like he's the reincarnation of Azora High is what her implication but is. But Azora High isn't her god. Azora High is the hero, but the he's the, the champion on Earth. Like her god is the red god, I guess. And I know I guess Azora High is the red god's champion, but Azora High isn't a god. I don't know. <laughs> you're, All right, you're so, going into uh, Charlie Day territory. I've got the good Lord going the day, down on me. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, I would like to say that she shakes off a strangling like no one I've ever seen. <laughs> she's probably I mean, not the first time she's been strangled. I mean, yeah, probably. Well, yeah, a couple hundred years in that that um, that that uh, and that sassy of, mouth. Yeah. So the, the the last thing I'd like to say about the scene is um, they had they ended the scene with uh, her doing whatever to create a vision in the flames and her and Stannis looking at each other. And this really annoys me. I can't stand when, like, uh, these vision scenes where the characters are receiving these revelations, revelations, and we as viewers have no idea what they're looking at. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, it's it's a, a, yeah, it definitely is a cop out, but it's like a, a, a listening to a telephone conversation, you can only hear one side of it. You're like, I'm I'm not getting the full picture, and it's more annoying and frustrating than it is. I, I think it's much worse than that. And it's not even like, it's not even like a MacGuffin, you know, where like in, in Pulp Fiction, we never learned what was ex- actually in the briefcase. Like, this is critical to the goddamn show. And the characters, it's critical to the characters, but we don't have any clue. And I, I get it that it's uh, intended to create a sense of mystery. And I think uh, George R. R. Martin does it in the books a fair amount, too. But um, it really annoys me. I, I, yeah, but I reason. think I think we get more details about the visions too. Like I saw yeah. myself holding a burning sword and snow all around me, and like I think there's some details the, communicated yeah, to this, us, this, and there's no scene, details here. No, no, this scene, like I think it's supposed to end with us understanding that Stannis saw this thing, and then re- reaffirms the idea that he's supposed to be the eventual king. But I mean, what could that fucking be? Because we also know at the same time that the prediction is completely wrong. So what is he seeing that could be interpreted as him being the king, but is actually completely wrong and somebody else is going to be the eventual king? I don't get it. You know? uh, I don't I don't see a situation where that pans out at all. Unless yeah. it's Gendry who's somewhat related to him because it's his <laughs> brother's bastard. I don't think so. Yeah. But Well, he's the king of crew. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's got anything else Roll going like on. a motherfucker. All right. Yeah. Uh, where do we go uh, now? So then we go to Theon, and he's stoking the fire in Winterfell. And we keep hearing a horn in the background. I really like this detail a lot. Uh, the horn is blowing, and it's reminding Theon that he's surrounded. And this actually reminded me of, uh, you remember back in, I think it was the late 80s, when Manuel Noriega, the dictator of, of Panama, uh, was being uh, he was being ousted from Panama, and he took refuge in a church. And to get him out, the U.S. Uh, Army played music that was like deafening and they kept playing welcome to the jungle and i fought the law by the clash and some jethro toll music i don't know if you remember that no but no I, I don't remember that specifically because it was before my time it was a couple years before uh desert shield and um <laughs> <laughs> fucking idiot. uh but i do i am very familiar with not only the military but you know fbi and other agencies playing loud music to drive the people inside crazy um, yeah, it seems pretty effective. Like it seems like it. Like I obviously I don't know from firsthand experience, but it seems like it would drive me crazy. Yeah, imagine if you were trapped in a church, 
and you're a Panamanian dictator, and you kept hearing "Welcome to the Jungle" over and over again. Well, it depends on the denomination whether that that yeah. form of Jesus is more powerful than to help you out of that situation. <laughs> okay. Or right, whatever. Baptist so anyways, church. Uh, Fuck. Winterfell is surrounded, and it's under siege. And Lewin is advising Theon. Theon is waiting for help from Balon and, and asks whether they can send for more help. But then uh, <laughs> Lewin like you reminds him, "All the ravens." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Theon begins to recall the first time he w- saw Winterfell. Of course, he's interrupted by another horn blow. Gives a soliloquy. It's been tough on him. You know, Winterfell reminds him of the rebellion that was qua- that his father attempted, but that was quashed, and resulted in all of his brother's deaths. You know, he's um, he's also upset that he's constantly reminded how good his captors were to him despite the fact that he is a captive essentially yeah so it's it's tough to be a, a prisoner and you know even when he went back to his dad his dad thought he sucks um you know this was a really good scene i thought um uh, it was kind of a you know a summary of scenes but i thought it was well acted enough and the dialogue was good enough that it uh, it didn't i wasn't concerned that it just kind of repeated stuff that we already knew see i have um, to disagree and i'll stop you right there because i okay. feel like this is the second time he's told this story at least and i feel like it lost some of its luster now i do agree it was well acted and i feel like the feeling was there but because we knew all this stuff that he felt disappointed like if it was more like i don't know why theon's doing this i don't know why he's taking winterfell um but we heard all this stuff before about how he you know always felt like he was a captive which he was um i feel like if it was the first time we were hearing that this would be more effective i agree i i I mean again i acknowledge that it's a uh it's a repetition of prior prior scenes probably distilled down but i i just i i enjoyed it i thought it was good it came off as whiny to me that's all i'm gonna say that's fair yeah that's fair because theon's i mean these his problems are of his own doing at this point so uh, Lewin counsels Theon to run. Apparently, they're at a 520 disadvantage, um, which, of course, is the opposite of the, the famous movie, The 500. Oh, um, yeah. Is that 20,000 no, versus 500? I've no, I've never seen it. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they discuss where he would go if he could make it. Uh, what It suggests that he goes to Night's Watch, becomes a... A uh, a member of the um, of the Night's Watch, they kind of discuss the merits of the proposition. Um, Theon realizes he's fucked up and he's kind of pot committed at this point. Um, so he uh, he kind of goes forward with it. Lewin says, "You're not the man that you're pretending to be," but Theon he he really can't do anything about it at this point. Um, yeah. Other than maybe run for Night's Watch, but I don't know how that would work. And of course, if you went there. Rob might end up, or not Rob, Jon Snow might end up murdering him. Anyway. Yeah, and I think like what we've seen of Jon Snow, and he's been tested a couple times on whether he'll stick with the Night's Watch or run, and he's always stuck with the Night's Watch. I think this would be a bridge too far. A guy that he thinks killed, um, you know, burned his home, but also killed two of his brothers in his eyes. No way Jon Snow doesn't kill him. Yeah, I think I agree with that. Jon Snow, like his... uh his his level of responsibility to Night's Watch, it's like the initial his initial reaction is always like vengeance or for his family. And the second instinct after he's kind of been called out on it has been uh, to go with the uh, with Night's Watch. So if he had the opportunity to, to shank Theon, I think he might take it. 
uh, and then realized the next day he fucked up, but whatever. Yeah, I don't <clears> think anybody could talk him down. No. So the next morning, uh, Theon is out in the uh, Winterfell uh, common area or, or courtyard. He attempts to rally his 20 good men with a speech. Seems like it worked until that asshole that's been fucking egging him on this entire yeah. time. Dagmar. Dagmar knocks him out. And then it's kind of like they established that no one believed Theon. It was a good speech, but they knew what they were going to do. Yeah, they it's throw a comical, quote, I guess, quote unquote. Yeah, well, let me finish out the scene really quickly. Uh, they put uh, somebody puts a hood over Theon. Presumably, he's going to be turned over to the enemy. Dagmar then stabs Lewin casually as Lewin runs into the the scene, and this is all fucked because. Dagmar is like a significant part of the reason that he's even in this position. Right. And Dagmar, you would think, would respect maesters or at least has some idea and not just like casually stab a maester. Um, and I think part of this is that it's a departure from the books um, as far as the stabbing, at least, of Lewin. Yep. Yeah. I, I just th- This part didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I understand why the – why they did why the Iron Islanders did betray Theon, but fucking Dagmar's half the reason he's here. Okay. You know? Yeah. I've got a lot of questions. Are you ready for them? Mm-hmm. Okay, the first one I guess tor- we'll start at the end and work our way back. Um what is their plan? Uh obviously Theon ends up in Ramsey's safekeeping. So did they promise Theon to Ramsey so they could escape? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think maybe it's supposed to tie back to uh, Rob's prior message of I will let all, all the Iron, all the Iron Islanders go if they will just leave except for Theon. But I mean, it just seems like uh, like entrapment by Dagmar. <laughs> like he's he's out to get. The but my Iron. question would be like if Ramsay, who's in charge of these forces, presumably. Um, uh, it was in charge. He wouldn't let the Iron, Iron Islanders go. He would make the deal and kill them anyway, which is exactly what he does with Moat Kalen. Like I think it's season right. four, uh, he gets Theon as Reek to pretend to be Theon again himself, and he chalks all the guys into giving up. And he's you know he says, oh well you know my master Ramsay says if you lay down your arms you'll be allowed to return to the Iron Islands. And meanwhile they lay down their arms and they're all flayed, and uh, you know crucified on spikes along the king's road so uh it just uh, doesn't make sense here that that ramsey would let these guys go uh but that's it, never really revisited I mean, you, you later. Could, no it's not you could offer se- several explanations you could you could argue that um ramsey's emboldened by his military victories he feels better about flaying people you could also wonder if dagmar and the gang just like kind of just threw Theon oh, into the, the side middle of the road forever. and just made a. They're surrounded by 500 dudes. How the fuck did they get away? They don't know the Who secret knows? passages yeah. because they just stabbed no, the right. guy that could tell them about the fucking secret passages. You're absolutely right about that. Yeah. Doesn't make a whole lot of it sense. Does. No, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, do you remember what happens in the book here? I don't. I don't at all. Okay, so once again, my recall is sketchy. Apologize, guys. If you fund us on patreon.com slash shame to thrones backslash who I don't, this doesn't exist. I can read all the books and get a fresh take on this, but uh, from what I remember, uh, Ramsey poses as Reek. This gets really complicated, so follow me, guys. Oh, God, yeah. Do you remember, this? I remember this? Yeah. So Ramsey had a guy named Reek with him before Theon, 
and he was out doing something, you know, hunting a woman or something awful, and he he got pursued by, you know, somebody of justice or decency, and he killed uh, Reek and smeared shit all over himself and pretended to be Reek, his servant, and made Reek pretend to be Ramsey, because back then nobody knew who everybody was. Um, so he pretended to be Ramsey, he got caught and brought back to Winterfell as a prisoner, um... And he got into Theon's good graces. Uh, this is once again Ramsay pretending to be somebody named Reek, and then says, "Hey, I can go rally these troops. I know some guys. Uh, give me some gold, and I'll be back with a whole bunch of dudes." Uh, and he comes back with his dudes, and they kill all the surrounding uh, northern men who come to take Winterfell. And then when Theon lets them in, he <laughs> kills everybody else there um, and blames it on the Ironborn. Um, I hope that was concise enough. No, it, it was. It was it, it, that whole thing was I mean, the book was a lot more complicated as far as that goes. Right, but I uh, yeah. but I just want to say it's like there's a lot of stuff to trying to gloss over and trying to like right, you know, fit these square pegs into round holes, and there's all sorts of inconsistencies. But uh, but whatever, uh, it's fine, I guess. Uh, it ends up with Theon in Ramsey's care which we'll get to uh yeah, i don't want you to looking forward but, to those those scenes podcast canceled <laughs> yeah yeah i'm not looking forward to that at all i don't know when it happens i don't know if it's next season or next season and the following season but uh yeah there's a lot of reek torture time yeah no question all right so I talked for a while, but I guess I'll keep talking as we go back down to King's Landing and Varys is visiting Tyrion. Uh, tells him that Cersei gave the order uh, for the Kingsguard guy, I guess it's Mandon Moore, to attack Tyrion. Um, oh, and we forgot to mention that last episode. By the way, in last episode, uh, Tyrion gets his face slashed by uh, one of the Kingsguard and is killed by, that guy is killed by Pod, who stabs him in the back of the head. We didn't talk about that at all. Yeah, we did. Did we? Yeah, I don't absolutely. remember that. Okay, whatever. We talked about it, so disregard what I just last <laughs> said. All right, so Syrian also learns from Varys that uh, Bronn has been dismissed as the um, head of the Gold Cloaks of the city or the Night's Watch, um, and that his tr- hill tribesmen who hasn't who haven't been seen in a while have been sent home. Basically, just Varys is confirming that he has no friends and no power here. Uh, Varys also tells uh, Tyrion, though, as a consolation prize that. Some people, I guess he's including himself, know how much Tyrion did to help save the city, and even though he will not be acknowledged for it by everybody, by everybody, they'll just be ignored, his contributions, but uh, Varys will at least remember him, uh, which I guess is some kind of like, you know, love between bros here, but uh, he leaves and lets Shay in, and Shay removes his bandages like uh, he's a goddamn Joker, and... Um, Reveals a slight scar across his face, where in the books he has his front of his nose gets cut off. Um, she wants Tyrion to run away because it's dangerous. People are trying to kill him, uh, but Tyrion refuses for the for the dumbest reason in the world. He says he likes playing the game um, of Thrones. He likes this, which is crazy to me because he's getting his ass kicked right now. If you ask me if I love football and I just went out with a concussion injury. <laughs> I don't think I'd love, if you ask me right then, I don't say I'd love the game. Um, 
Uh, but whatever, they decide to stick around King's Landing and see how it all shakes out, which is obviously a bad, <laughs> bad decision in hindsight. Yeah, I, how did how did Varys know about the arrangement between Mandon Moore and Cersei? No idea, and I, that's never made clear in the books as to if it was Cersei or Joffrey. You just don't know because it's not like Mandon Moore squealing. Cersei's not squealing, so. I, I don't know. I, I kind of question that. Um, <clears throat> I also, it was, they addressed the Hill Tribesmen here, but what the fuck were the Hill Tribesmen during the Battle of, yeah. of Blackwater? We mentioned I, that last week. We're like, where so the fuck silly. are they? Why would yeah. even why not just ignore them? Why not uh, assume we? It would have been better them? that they ignored them, or right. or if he if they said, oh yeah, they went back uh, a week before the Battle of Blackwater. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it would have made more sense, but uh, yeah, it's glaring. So why isn't Tyrion getting more respect for his role in this battle? Well, I think I think the city needs a scapegoat, uh, and they need mm-hmm. a hero. Um, okay. So instead of you would think the scapegoat would be Joffrey, and I guess he is because he got attacked. He was the reason why the riot started, but still they weren't a big fan of Tyrion. In the books, uh, Tyrion does something like. Um, he raises taxes to pay for like, you know, uh, public works that makes the small folks' lives better, uh, and the small folks hate him for it. It's weird. I don't see how this is relevant to today's society either. But um, the people hate him, and he did a couple other things like um, to prepare the city for siege. He had a lot of houses destroyed that were outside the city walls that you know Stannis and his boys could have used to like. Uh, climb the walls of King's Landing, essentially. He basically did a lot of things for the greater good, uh, but he made a lot of enemies in the meantime. Plus, the city was starving. That's another thing that the uh, show really doesn't go into. Um, And when the Tyrells come in, not only do they save the city from being sacked, but they also bring a lot of food with them. So I think it's just Mm. all these other people just take his spotlight. You have Tywin who comes in as the military savior. You have the Tyrells that come in with food, and they they bring a shitload of food into the city. Um, So all these people are just so grateful for these other folks that they kind of... It's not that he's demonized. It's more that he's just forgotten. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So the end of the uh, scene, uh, what a fucking turd sandwich. Why don't they just leave together? I don't. I don't. Yeah. Well, the excuse I, I I can understand them staying, but you got to come up with a better excuse. Like just come up with, uh, you know, this is what I was meant to do. I'm a Lannister. It's my birthright or something. I don't know something other than I like playing this crazy game of cat and mouse. Like it's just so bullshit. I don't. I, I don't even care. Like he he recognized the danger that they were in before. Now she finally does. I mean, right, you're absolutely right. He was trying to convince her. Yeah, and now she does, and then, oh no, I want to stay here where they've just rejected me from everything I wanted to do. Now somehow I'm going to get back into it. I I, I don't get it. Right, it is the dumbest thing in the world. It's so frustrating. So, anyways, next we go to Rob and Talisa, and they are getting married. Um, insert jack off hand motion here. Um, I don't. I don't have much to say about the scene. I, they, they're getting. This is another thing where uh, we talked about it in a recent episode, uh, where they are, I, I guess, pledging to the seven instead of the old gods. I don't know if that means anything. Um, the only other That's thing I nice thought catch. was, yeah, it's not that. Big. 
why you don't no, pick no, up No, okay, no, okay, okay. I, I will say, as much as I, I get into the philosophical and religious things, some other ones yeah. I just ignore, like this. Like, that's a good point. Like, he's, he doesn't do it in front of a heart tree in the old gods. He's doing no. it in front of the seven, you know, and a priest from the seven, which is a competing, you know, it's his mom's religion, but it's not the Stark religion. No, I, you know, what I think I might pick up on the religion thing is because I went to a Catholic high school, you know, and I, it, um, even though I'm not not about it these days, but I, I kind of think about that um, a lot. The only other thing that I, I wondered about this scene is, and, and you're free to comment on it, um, how many nerds right now are having these vows oh, instead God. of their normal vows because their efficient couldn't learn to speak Klingon during the ceremony? <laughs> Very good. I was thinking about all the uh, baby girls that in like, I don't know, 15 years are going to be coming of age with the name Khaleesi. Uh, oh, God. Starting to weep. But, Khaleesi. Uh, <laughs> a title, not even a name. I love it. But um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I'm sure there are some where like a father and mother are looking on going, oh, God, we should have aborted. Um <laughs> When the when the uh, their good friend who just gets uh, whatever uh, their whatever marrying license whatever it's called says these says these things, uh, yeah. you're absolutely right. It sounds ridiculous, but you know that it's not. You know, it's not happening. only has it happened, but it's happened several times. Fucking people got married to Klingon vows. I know that. <laughs> I don't know the specific example, but I know that's happened. So, anyways, that's great. So where do we go next? All right, Doug? so we go to our good old, uh, the good old place of Quarth. I'm going to call it that because it's not right. And Danny, Jorah, and Rando horse enthusiasts are making their way uh, to the House of the Undying, uh, which happens to be a large circular tower for some reason. Um, I guess it's phallic, or maybe that's just what it looked like when they did scouting trips. But anyway, the group walks around the tower, uh, and Danny disappears behind... She speeds up and somehow disappears and ends up inside this stupid um, thing. Um, I guess this would be intriguing, but I really don't care. I wrote, I don't know how this happens, but I really don't care. Uh, regardless, I don't either. She, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Who gives a shit? She's Regardless, she's separated from her companions, and she hears the sound of her dragons as she makes veiled threats and starts walking towards them. Not much to say here. Yeah, I don't understand why... Uh why why uh what's his nuts didn't keep up with her it just seems silly and well, you know the book a, you know he is a knight so it's not like yeah, he has to do anything yeah he couldn't walk we could walk faster than a, a lady with little tiny legs um and you know the, like the books i think that she was like really like invited in yeah she was invited in and told to come yeah. by herself but they didn't want to do that and that's the, i think that's more interesting than her like just doing this weird Almost like sphere, but they know, that, that but they movie. set up this whole threatening thing where like she's coming to the house of the Undying because, um, you know, she wasn't invited. They they I think she comes in and once again I'm sorry for my foggy memory, but I think she goes with one of her dragons. I think she just brings one of them with her instead of them getting stolen. I could be oh, okay. completely wrong. I don't know. I, I don't recall. I don't recall that. I don't know, but regardless, uh, that would, I guess it would make more sense if she voluntarily showed up there. That that she brought the dragon. This along, whole but. Danny storyline, this whole season has been a fucking abortion. It has been awful. I can't stand it. Like it's just yeah, so it's like, uh, and it doesn't even pay off. Like in the books, you want to read something interesting, read the House of the Undying because there's just 
like 15 different uh, prophecies that get thrown at you. One of them is the Red Wedding, which, you know, we hear about it, you know, whole book early, um, you know, and it's all veiled, uh, but it's the Red Wedding. There's all sorts of other weird shit. Um, she gets to see Rhaegar, her older brother, uh, that was John's dad. Uh, just all sorts of weird stuff, and they don't do it justice nearly at all in this show. So, yeah, not great. Yeah, I agree. So next we go to Arya, Gendry, and Hot Pie. They're wandering around, um, I guess, in the Riverlands. They see Jacken uh, up on a cliff. Jacken uh, transports down to the to where they are. Yeah, it's another yeah. one of these. I hate to interrupt you, but it's another one of these like camera tricks. They're like, oh, we can just have him disappear from the scene, like in a queer, in a like crazy camera trick i guess it's supposed to make him look kind of more mystical or magical but yeah but it doesn't it involve kind of any cg like it, it's just like yeah. one of these things where like it's probably very cheaply done way to show magic by not having yeah. anything happen at all and i'm not even sure if it's magic so much as he just like slid down a cliff i don't know i guess it's magic where like you know you turn around and say hey batman look at these markings over here and then you turn back around and batman's not there anymore that's magic i think it's it's just like it's just no. A cheap that's, trick. that's definitely an example that has happened to all of us most of our lives. <laughs> just turn around and say, "Hey, Batman, yeah, yeah. taste so, taste this porridge. Does it taste weird to you?" <laughs> yeah, smell my finger. Um, so they they uh, Arya and Jockin meet up. They discuss why he is there. <laughs> uh, Arya wants to know how he killed the guards uh, at Heron Hall when they escaped. He begins to kind of groom her to become a faceless man. Somehow he knows of her hit list, but I'm not entirely sure how he knows of her hit list. Yeah. Yeah, he says that they could all be sacrificed to the Red God. And I didn't think that the Red God or yep. the God of the Faceless Men was ding, really ding, like ding, a, ding. a bloodthirsty God. I thought he was more like, uh, what? what is justice or what do people pay me for these things? So we have, well, a, yeah, before I got, we got to yeah. stop here. Let's talk about it. So like, this is obvious. This is what I wrote down in like exclamation points. The whole thing we heard about in last season, I guess season six, was that like Arya has to leave her life behind and her hit list. Whereas Jaqen is now telling her to get her to, to get on board with being a faceless man that she can sacrifice all these people to the many-faced god. Is that yeah, intentional I mean, or is that sloppy? It's a contradiction. It is a contradiction. So what's the explanation? Yeah. Is it just a show mistake or are they really like goading her, uh, you know, using her as opposed to really wanting her to be a faceless yeah, man? This is the way to to recruit her. I mean, that uh, that that would be the explanation. I think it's a shitty explanation. What, just to get her in the door? Like, you know, uh, you know, I think it was like a Simpsons episode where they say, you know, join the U.S. Army. And then, like, they show the guy, like, you know, in a Ferrari with, like, hot chicks by him. Like, do you think they're just telling her what she wants to hear in order to get her on board? Like, if you were a, uh, a member of a certain cult based out of California involving a man who believed in aliens, you would say... Do you want to be successful? Well, then come and, and join us because we'll make you successful. All you, I know is if I get some Nikes and get to t- and get to hitch a ride on that comet, yeah, I'm yeah, well, no, no, not that. But uh, I know talking you, about you, Jonestown. What are you talking about? No, no, no. I'm referring to. Uh, I know you had a long. Um, I know you don't want to go into it, but you had a long term relationship with the Sea Org. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah, I, no, I worked I, long I, hours. I just think, 
Like, I, I, if you were trying to recruit Arya, and if actually you thought that she was some like some the one special, and I get that the I think that the 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 faceless men, I think it's like uh, they go only go for the best best and brightest. I, I guess we don't, we don't know. We have no idea because they had the, you know you're right, the you're ugly right. little don't girl. Know. Was the ugly little girl the best and brightest? That little like annoying Wait. chick we had to deal with in season six. Yeah, I guess I don't know. I don't know. Like, if Arya's uh, Arya's pressure point would be, we're going to recruit you to kill all these people that you think you want to kill. But then again, like the disillusionment of if she joined, and you can't just go kill everyone that you want to kill, you would think would. Yeah, would, that, it's one of those things. If you could put off that, you know, you could promise something to somebody. But have it be a delayed like thing. Oh yeah, well next week we're gonna kill those people on your list. Right. But to like say, oh, we're not gonna kill anybody on your list. That whole list is bullshit now. Like you can't right. kill people. That that's that's not a good recruiting tool because then you will wake up with people that want to go a wall. Just like hey, next week you could meet Zenu. You know. <laughs> yeah, Zeno. Zeno yeah. had a doctor's appointment. He had to get his braces oh, adjusted. Yeah, oh, you want today? Is you want the sniffles? Zenu's got the sniffles. <laughs> So, anyways, so uh, Ari is interested in it, but she wants to find her family. Jockin gives her a coin, uh, quote unquote, of good value, oh, great value. Uh, says uh, he tells her if she ever wants to find him again, give the coin to anyone in Bravosi and say the words Valor Morghulis. She requests that Jockin not leave. Jack, he says that Jockin is dead. He does uh, face off, face on. <laughs> He looks like a new dude, and um, th- th- this scene also—I uh, don't know if you noticed this—but this was like part of a couple of seasons in a row where Arya's uh, acting was like, if she was perturbed, she just made this squinty face, and yeah. that was kind of the, the extent of her acting. Yeah, but she's a child, uh-huh. so I'll forgive it. She's a great child actor. I can't. She can't be amazing. So I can't even imagine like being like an eleven-year-old and being like, "Hey, your entire family was murdered." Make make the appropriate face. <laughs> the appropriate face. Uh, yeah. So I, I it's it's still uh, I really wish that we had more insight into whether the faceless men were recruiting Arya specifically, or th- they just that she seemed like somebody who might, might who has do okay. potential. Yeah, who has potential. Yeah. You're right. It doesn't. Uh, I want those answers as well. Yeah. Um, I will say one other thing I enjoyed about this is. Like for the reason she couldn't go to Bravos right away was yeah she has to meet up with her mother and her brothers and then she says reluctantly and my sister yeah yeah that was, that was a good touch that was a really good touch uh, uh like showing that she like grudgingly still doesn't want her sister to die or whatever um and and also like I think it's good foreshadowing because they're, they're going to be involved in the future. You yeah, know. yeah. If we go, if we catch up to modern times, I mean, she's in the Riverlands murdering Walter Frey, and Sansa's just up the road. Um, you would think their paths are going to intersect, maybe soon. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. So now we head down to Winterfell, and Asha leads. Uh, you know, the crew. We got Bran, Rickon, Hodor, the dogs. She leads all them shits out of the crypts. Um. <laughs> Into the burnt ruin of Winterfell. Well, hold, hold on, all them shits out the crypts. <laughs> that should be. That sounds like an old dirty bastard line. That would be the title of the episode if iTunes would allow uh, vulgarity yeah. in the titles. 
Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, yeah, they emerge from the crypts uh, to a burned out ruin of Winterfell. And it's really not that impressive. It's just some dead people on the ground. And this is one thing. It's hard to like show the uh, destruction of a castle because so much of it is fucking stone. It's not like the stone crumbled down. Uh, so like when a, when a castle burns, really what's lost, just the, you know, wooden furniture and shit. Um, not that big of a deal. Obviously you have the human life, but whatever, we'll move on. Uh, they follow the wolves to, uh, the godswood and Maester Lewin's laying dying next to the heart tree for some reason, just bleeding all over the place. Um, he tells them to go to the wall. It's too dangerous to go south to look for, uh, Rob and their mother, uh, safest place is going north towards the wall. John will protect them. Uh, and then he pulls Asha aside and says it's her job to protect them now, even though, you know, she's just a whatever captive. Um, and then he asks her to euthanize him, and Asha does it without like a second's hesitation. <laughs> and then the whole crew pieces out, and you see Winterfell burning in the background. Yeah, not a lot to say about this scene. Uh, first, Ocean trash is the worst trash, I think, of all the trash. What do you mean? Uh, Who are you referring mean? to the Greyjoys burning down uh, Winterfell. See, once again, they don't do that in the books. It's it's Ramsay doing right. it to to pin it on the Greyjoys. I, I don't know. I mean, I think the implication in the show is that it was the Greyjoys or their forces. I still don't know how they got away. It doesn't make any fucking sense. No. It was kind of sad seeing Lewin being stabbed for no reason, really, apparently. And if Dagmar had any sense of honor, he wouldn't never have done this because you don't, you just don't stab, you know, Meisters. You don't stab, you know, the people were like the conscientious objectors, too. Like, they're supposed yeah. to take no part. They're supposed to serve the Lord of Winterfell. And Maester Lewin was doing that for Theon. Well, Lewin did kind of step outside of his role and like protest things that were going on in Winterfell, but certainly not to the extent that he deserved to be shanked in his belly. Um, I, but then again, I never really connected with uh, Maester Lewin in the, the show. I never really felt like a strong feeling. And I wasn't Me that too. upset. They, they could have made him more grandfatherly. Um, yeah. He seemed like nice and old, but he didn't seem to show like affection to anybody. And I guess he's not supposed to, but whatever. Yeah, he didn't. I don't. I didn't. I, mean, I know he's in a lot of previous episodes, but I never thought that like he was actually could be a good character until this episode where he was counseling Theon, and he kind of he. I mean, he gave Theon the right advice. Theon just just chose not to uh, not to adopt it. So, and then the the other thing is this is another scene where uh, Lewin told Osha that she's the only one who can protect the little lords. It's still baffling to me, and this is like this weird thing where, like, in a lot of these shows, where where it's like some random character has a destiny that doesn't make any sense to the character whatsoever. Uh, and we talked about this a little bit before in the series, but Lewin in this scene specifically said, "Osha, you're the only one who can protect them." Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, I guess she's just the only one left at this point. You should have said instead of you're the only one who could protect them. I guess you're the only option left. Um, yeah, we're, we're, yeah, yeah. I guess, but whatever. So next we go back to Danny. She's in the house of the undying. Ugh. This sucked because I thought the books were really interesting. In the books, like she, uh, I think she basically takes a hallucinogen. Yep, and then kind of wanders around and sees all this crazy shit. So the show tries to like do the thing where. 
it like shorts cuts it has or may have do the visions but i don't know that the visions really make any sense in they, this we, only, we only get three visions really yeah so we'll let's go through them okay so first she uh is carrying a torch walking up a staircase she hears her dragon ends up in a circular room with a table in the middle there's doors on all sides of the room she enters a door at a random it walks into it goes into a throne room that is being snowed upon apparently in a castle that has been decimated she continues through the throne room goes up to touch a throne but here's her dragons and kind of walks away she enters another room or walks through another door that is uh looks like she's entering a blizzard on the ice planet hoth kind of looks like the wall but i don't think it is supposed to be the wall no it's definitely supposed to be the wall keep going though oh is it okay got it okay so she then she sees a, a dark shape and it's the yurt that uh, Drogo and her used to share. She enters the yurt to find Drogo with the baby. Uh, some blabbity blab blab. Didn't really write anything down about that. It's <laughs> yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. Uh, she realizes a dream or hallucination, then finds herself back in the room with the doors and the table. Sees her dragons there, which are chained to the table. Suddenly, multiple pre-pre's show up. They do some talky shit and then uh, chain her up somehow. Uh, there is an interaction where they explain to her that they're going to keep her forever because she powers the dragons. And Danny says the magic words. Of course, Doug, you know the magic words, right? Yep, it is. Thank you. And please. Drew carries. Oh. And the dragons <laughs> roast pre pre And there we go. Yeah, so that's the scene. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, so we only yeah. get three real visions. The first vision is the Iron Throne in the throne room in King's Landing. Um, right. It's definitely that, um, and it's kind of like you the, can see the braziers that that are they translate. Right. Is the is the big key there? In the book, it's not clear whether what's falling is snow or ash. Um, right. So think about that. Uh, you know, initially when I read it, I was like, okay, so winter will come to King's Landing, like winter in the form of snow, but the, but it's definitely falling through holes in the roof, so there was destruction. So you can think, well, is that, dest-? and then other people, this is not my idea, but other people posited, well, if there's holes in destruction, couldn't the, what's falling, the white stuff be falling, be ash, and it's never made clear because she's not really there. Um, so it could be ash, could be uh, snow, who cares? Um, no, that that's significant in that, is it a thing where it was destroyed? By our, like forces and suddenly snows on it, or was it her dragons came back, wrecked vengeance, and took over the thing, and yeah. that's why you have have uh, ashes falling on it. Either way, that's, we could see we could see big di- there are, are two, two big differences. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it could yeah. be you know Queen Cersei blowing up more wildfire uh, in the city for whatever reason, for defensive reasons, who knows? Um, we don't, we just don't know. Or yes, Danny brought this destruction to the Iron Throne. Um, but the fact that they, they do it as like a temptation thing where she's about to touch the Iron Throne and then she remembers her dragons and goes on is dumb. Good God. Uh, right. And they do it again with, uh, Drogo. So yeah, the other vision is she l- goes through the, so I, I'm going to make the jump in saying she's going to end up in the throne room. Um, and you know, uh, I don't know if she'll sit upon the Iron Throne or like, Go to the Iron Throne, and then she's about to take it, but then she realized she has to deal with the White Walkers up north. I don't know, but I think she's gonna 
be in the throne room, so I think that's going to come to pass. I feel like she's going to go north of the wall to face the White Walkers and their hordes, um, and that was represented by her actually going out of the um, the the wall. But yeah, this thing with Drogo is ridiculous. That's the third vision of the stallion that mounts their world, their their son, uh, and that scene just went on way too long. Yeah, it really did. I, I didn't really care. Um, you know, and I it it's really disappointing in the in the show. I think the show did a really bit bad job of translating what happened in the books. I thought the book stuff was a lot more interesting. Um, and I really can't figure out the logic of. Uh, the the dragons roasting pre at pre, um, you would think that you know he's able to carbon copy a lumber of himself. Yeah. Or I mean, is it himself or is it? Yeah. Is it, yeah I don't know it's what stupid. it's supposed it's, to be. <laughs> yeah. It, you ask these questions and you ask these questions for a reason because they don't really make it clear. Is that why? Like, how is that not burning a carbon copy of himself? Um, if it is a carbon copy of himself, is he getting burned too? Uh, Why does he have a that? fire extinguisher in there? I, I, or he doesn't have a I, spell I already? I think it's like the, I think it's a, 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 a an invention of the show because it does make interesting scenes if you don't think about the scene so much. But if you do think about the scenes, they look pretty stupid. And I don't think that that right. It's the Doug, show. Doug, what happened in the what happened? In here's the books? what happens in the books. Yeah, it's it's the show trying to marry. By diverging from the books and then trying to connect with it again, this is the root of most of their problems. And I, I want to, you know, I want to temper ourselves. I know we rally against uh, how bad the show is at times. I understand it's. And an we ing- also rally around the family with a pocket full of shells. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but um, but yeah, I I, I understand. So I understand. I just want to say I understand that is an incredibly hard job to condense a book into a TV show. Now, that being said, these people are doing a shitty job of it. <laughs> because, <laughs> because what happens in the books is she finally goes to this area, and guess what? It's the house of the undying where the warlocks, plural, live. We don't see anybody but Pride Pre in this whole motherfucker. Yeah. So the fact that there's nobody else there, where are where's everybody else? On spring break? In the books, she gets to this, this room full of what looks like corpses, or what turns out to be corpses, that are kept alive, kind of like Bran's uh, uh, teacher in the tree. Like, these people yeah. are just, like, corpses that can't move anymore, but just are so powerful in their uh, magic in their mind that they can make people see visions, and they basically rule a little empire of little warlocks. Well, anyway, they, they try to get Danny to join them forever as well, but she wakes up of it out of it and she gets uh the dragon to burn them alive because they're just old people that can't move anymore and they're sitting at a banquet table. Yeah, it sounds crazy because it is. Um so I don't know how you would get that to a it's TV less show. crazy than the show, I think. I, I just don't but, know how you condense I, that I, down, but it, it Yeah, that that's the problem. Yeah, I, you're I, absolutely but, right. But I feel like they could have done a better job because they had so much bullshit with Danny. Like we checked in with Danny every fucking week and we didn't need to. They could have just yeah. made this Danny's whole storyline and they could have broken it up and shown us this over the course of three episodes or something and made it good. But instead we got all this backstory with duck sauce and all that other bullshit. I I, good, good I hated this whole yeah. this whole thing. All right, so where do we go next, Doug? Okay. Okay, so we go north of the wall. 
Agrid is giving John shit as they make their way be- uh, towards Mance's camp. And uh, eventually, Corrin starts a fight with John. And for some reason, the wildlings let him fight it out, which is dumb. And, and just toss a sword toss at him. Toss a sword like, at him. Yeah. Is, hey, a prisoner just stole a sword. <laughs> Let's give the other prisoner a sword. Yeah. <laughs> Saw that on lockup recently. Yeah. It's like it, it's like if we were all armed, no one will shoot each other. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, they fight. Corn does a great job of acting angry at John and, and trying to get his anger up. And then eventually Corn is disarmed and John just straight up murders him. <laughs> this is another situation where like these people don't know what the fuck they're doing. These showrunners don't know what the fuck they are doing. In the books, it's clear that like Corn basically kills himself, throws himself on John's sword so that John still remains innocent. Here, yeah. John stabs an unarmed man through the chest. That is a massive difference. Right? I mean, that, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and, and it may not seem like it's like the difference between, I guess, manslaughter and murder, first degree murder, but I think there is a difference. Like, intent has to be taken into account. No, I think that's the difference between, like, a guy runs in, uh, runs out in front of your car and you run over him versus you intentionally run over a guy with your car. I, I agree. Mean, that's, yeah, that's a huge difference. I, I I I just don't understand like the 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 wildlings viewing this thing like immediately afterward of the battle, uh, Lord of Bones like just cuts Jon Snow's ropes like he automatically got a, like a fast pass to become one of the uh, wildling trash. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I, yeah, you know I, I'm surprised they didn't just start chanting "One of us, one of us." Um, and I, I actually would think the opposite of them being excited would be true, that now Mance Raider can't interrogate Corn Halfhand, who I think Corn Halfhand would probably be the best, more valuable than John for sure. Uh, significantly more valuable. Uh, I mean, he's like supposedly the best of the 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 Night's Watch uh, Raiders in terms of you know from the the Wallace perspective. I, I don't know how I get that. It's it's all trash. Um, yeah, yeah. Not really much to say here, but somehow he works himself into the good graces of the wildlings, and they start to descend towards a valley with a huge army, uh, presumably to meet the king beyond the wall. And that's where we leave John's storyline for the season. Right? I did like, uh, yeah, I did like the the uh, the shot of the expanse of the wildling camp. I thought that was really cool. That's yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, it looked massive. Uh, good scale shot really established like the size of the army. Because I, even though they've been talking shit about how big their armies were, I don't think that we actually had any confirmation prior to that shot. And that shot really made it look massive. I mean, it just made it look like there were hundreds of thousands of people down there. Right. Uh, but the other thing is, like, John, like, looked down at that, turned around, then Corn Halfhand was on fire, like, automatically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah know, like, so quick. Yeah. Do they have like medieval lighter fluid or what is going on back there? I don't know. Because Maybe if you try to light it. a fire on top of a, a, a snowbank, the snowbank it will just keep like, will keep putting out your fire because it sucks up the moisture. You know, I mean, especially if you imagine that they have like feet of snow or at least Moody, a foot they, of snow. They know the land better than you or I ever could. So You know what? You're absolutely right. It still looks silly as shit. Yes. But go ahead. Yeah. All right. So then we go back to Quarth, 
and Duck Swass is awakened from his sleep by having the key around his neck removed. Uh, and he's been hooking up with one of Danny's servants. I don't know which one because I don't care. And um, Danny and crew lead him towards the vault, and they open it up to discover that, oh, it's empty. It's all been a big lie. Um, she thanks Duck Sauce for this life lesson and then shuts him and his hoe in the vault to starve to death. Uh, later, Danny, Injora, and the crew uh, pillage Duck Sauce's house for all their <laughs> china and gold, I guess. Um and basically liquidate his assets and discover that's probably <laughs> enough to uh, buy a ship. Involuntarily. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I, this was stupid, but um, uh, the lady that he was with, I think, is the uh, the handmaiden that was with the other handmaiden. Yeah, she's definitely that one of the handmaidens. The, I just don't know which one. That was care. the deleted scene where the handmaiden strangles the other handmaiden that we talked about a few episodes ago. Oh, yeah. You did mention that. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I'm guessing that's who it is, but I'm not entirely sure. I'm 100 percent sure it's one of them. It's one of those yeah. two handmaidens that they tried to make important, um, right? In like one but episode it, it, or the one non, scene, the non uh, the non strangling one. Um, so this is a pretty brutal death for Duck Sauce. I mean, he he just got a cask cask of amontillado'd. You know, I mean, like starving to death, or I guess you you would um, you would be dehydrated first, which I think it takes like seven days or so. Yeah, uh, pretty brutal. Pretty brutal. Unless you drink uh, the girls after you murder her, after you drink her blood, maybe you can keep yourself alive for a couple more days. I don't know. But even so, I mean, what? I I think your best out- outcome would be to convince her to strangle you. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, you kill me. <laughs> like, right. No. Right. Yeah. Um, it's not it's, really a murder suicide. It's just murder. <laughs> it, it. Yeah. It's it's not a good outcome. And once again, it's. I think Danny's a bad guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And then so this the larger question of this scene is what happens in this city at this point? Like Yeah, they they have no leadership. You're absolutely right. It's riding yeah. in the streets, they're gonna devolve. I'm sure leadership will uh emerge, but you're absolutely right. All the thirteen are murdered because of Duck Sauce and uh Pri Pri, and now they're done. So there's a power vacuum. We don't check yeah, in on this so- city at all. No, so where did she pawn all these valuables? Because if you like, she could have been queen of the city. If she was going to go to Marine, she could have just ruled this fucking city. It it actually would have made more sense because what what does she do with all these valuables now? Like, are these valuables worth anything? Is anybody going to want to buy the 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 markings of the prior administration? Um, And then, like, who's going to sell their ships to her? Because I mean, I think the thirteen presumably would own most of the ships in the city. What, what, I mean, it's such chaos; it doesn't make any sense, um, and I, I don't really know what to think about it. You know? Yeah, it's uh, you know bullshit. Let's just move on. Yeah, don't think you, about you, it because right. it's not rewarding. No. So next, we go to a ranging party of uh, of Charlie Ed. Yeah, and what were Grant. they doing? Well, you know what? They're they're on a turd hunt. Good old turnut. Yeah, they're looking for turds to burn. Um, good God. Uh, uh, then Sam begins doing... The thing about Gilly that is interesting is that she never gives up because her life more... Inter- this is the fucking worst. God, I hate <laughs> Sam Tarly. Yep. I mean, can you even imagine like how annoyed people with him are? How annoyed people are imagine, at him. Like but, being over to sleep over and everybody just wants to go to sleep and he's like talking on the top bunk, just leaning over, just, just talking and talking and talking. Like, uh, shut up. 
It, one, one of the guys, uh, Ed or Gren, said the thing about it, it, Gilly is interesting is that she said six words to you. Um, so they hear three horns, and apparently that means White Walkers are coming. They attempt to run, but Sam is fat, and he literally stands still <laughs> instead of just trying to run. Uh, that, that part is kind of stupid. Um, so then eventually Sam goes and hides behind a rock. We see some uh, white walkers and we see some whites and a white walks by on a dead horse, looks at Sam and just kind of strolls away. I don't know why or what that's about other than to try to create tension for the next season, because I don't know. We've seen that like whites or white walkers are going to do anything other than murder every single right. person. Yeah, they want to murder people. I don't understand why they wouldn't murder um, Sam. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, and I I think that the uh, implication on the scene is that they're near the fist of the first men, or at least the camp in that area. But I thought it actually looked like they were close to the wall, so I'm not entirely I'm not entirely no, sure. They were at the. They seemed like they were at the base of the fist of the first men. Like for some reason, they were down below everybody else. Okay, I I thought it looked like Ed and Gren were running towards a, a gate. No, they, they 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 were just okay. running towards the base of it. It was dumb. Uh, the geography all just doesn't make any sense. That's like yeah. a, are they going to scale the cliff face or I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, a couple other things is like when the three blasts happened and they say White Walkers, they should immediately had like kind of like Bill and Ted like metal music of like a solo guitar going like White Walkers. Excellent. Some like hardcore like metal music would have been great there. Yeah, and. Work very well in the show, I think. I think so. I mean, they've fixed. Well, hey, you know, they've yeah, done other. No. They've done other off-topic or off. I've, uh, I've argued for a long time that this show needs more Rufus. Hey, didn't they have uh like um, uh, the Hold Steady do an outro song when Jamie gets yes. his hand cut off next season? So the if, Hold Steady covers uh one of the the Bear, Bear the, the Maiden Fair. Fair yeah. yeah, so they've already kind of like departed from. Or they do in the near future. I'm I'm not saying it's a bad idea. They should they should definitely do the metal. The national the national did the reins of no, Casimir. Who gives a shit? I'm so over the national. I used to I liked Alligator, but that guy's voice is obnoxious now. It's just the same shit. Thank you very much. Um, anyway, another thing I want to point out is for some reason the zombies are slow in this scene, but if you fast forward to Hard Home, they're the fast zombies of like 28 days later. And um, left for dead zombies. What? The left for dead zombies. Yeah, they are like running like crazy, like insane, like uh, rage uh, virus uh, people. But mm-hmm. here they're just the stumbling zombies that we all know and love. Um, so once again, it's the show not being consistent, and I hate it. I'm fine with it. I yeah, I, I do agree that there's a lack of consistency, but. You know that that's not that's not a thing I'm focusing on on this show. One last thing: when um, the white looks at Sam, Sam looks down and cowers. Uh, that would have been the perfect time for a fart. <laughs> yeah, because they did that same thing later with Pycelle in like season five. Yeah, like, when he saw the mountain or undead situation. mountain. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He got he got scared, so he went. <laughs> I thought that he evacuated his bowels. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, uh, it's it's. I mean, in re in the reality of the show, yeah, uh, Sam would have gotten straight murdered right there. Yeah, and, and yeah, but 
I get I get what they're doing. They're they're building the tension for the next season. But they could have. could have. That would have been a rough draft. Okay, we want to build the tension, and then Charlie's right there. Okay, let's come back tomorrow when revisit this, and then they just never revisited it. They this show just seems yeah. the show writers just seem lazy sometimes. They seem like that's good enough. Let's move on. Uh, and I, and once again, I don't know if I could do a better job, but I'm pretty sure I could. Um, so I love millions of dollars for that chance uh, to remake. <laughs> all the seasons of uh, Game of Thrones from the beginning while the other show is happening. So if TBS, can you somehow make that happen? I'm your guy. Um, <laughs> TBS does a bootleg Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I like it. We just like came like um, Ririon and and uh, Wanny. I don't know. <laughs> just change the character's name slightly. <laughs> anyway, this was an exceedingly long episode of Ashamed of Thrones. Um, so thank you guys for sticking with us. Obviously, we're not going to have a season recap because I feel like this episode was just so fucking long that, um, you know, it was wrapping everything else. It was wrapping everything up. Um, so no, and we're going to launch it in the next uh, season right away. So yeah, no, no recap needed. Right, and I feel like this this is a very long episode. We've been talking for way too long, um, but it makes sense because we have to like we had to check in with every single character. There wasn't a lot of back and forth here. Uh, the only character we had to really go back to was Danny. Um, because she's special needs, and especially in this season. Oh, no. Oh, no. Fuck. All right, so uh, so let's rate this episode, and then we're going to rate the season. You ready? I am. Go ahead. I'm going to give this episode a three, because I feel like it was uh, just north of mediocre. Um, didn't anger me. thought it was pretty good, but... Um, not great. It didn't do its job of getting me hyped for next season because the cliffhanger is really the fist of the fourth men, first men, and really the only people I care about, I guess, is Sam. Like it's not like John's at the fist of the first men, so fuck him. I, th- I think I care more about uh, Ed and Grin than, than Sam at this yeah, point. I guess or I Sam's care- fucking annoying shit. Lord Commander Mormont, I think, is who I care about the most out of all these people, but uh, I don't really care that much. So it's just it's a it's a shitty cliffhanger here. Yeah, I'm gonna give it a uh, Campbell's Chucky Soup. Uh, I'll give it the Jambalaya. Jambalaya. Three stars. I, I yeah. like Jambalaya. I haven't tried Campbell's Chunky Soup, but uh, I mean it's 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 in a can. You know, I don't know. It's it's okay. It'll so, work. This was not gourmet soup. <laughs> it's no, it's not gourmet hey, soup. Uh, have you ordered soup at a restaurant in a while? Huh. <sighs> I can't think of the last time I ordered soup in a restaurant. I think I've been a part of like these fancy meals where they give you like several courses. Like you just sign up and say, "I'm going to have the." Hey, you know, slow down. Whatever. Eric Trump. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but when was the last time you ordered soup at a restaurant that wasn't like uh, you know? And I'm not talking about like Wendy's Chili or something. I'm talking about like real soup. I don't know that I have because I think the Candle, Campbell's line of soup is good enough, especially yeah. their chunky division. So then I'm gonna have to elevate this to like a four. Um, no, it's a three. Okay, <laughs> you could have just said that. All right, so let's talk about the season as a whole. So season two, I think it was mostly a turd. It was definitely one of the lesser seasons, if not the worst season. I will say that season five made me more angry. So it is not gonna be the bottom of the barrel here. So. Out of six seasons, uh, and I don't want to repeat myself, I'll say this season was a two, maybe a 1.5. I don't know. 
I agree with the dichotomy. The, this season was not that angry, but this this was probably the like the most boring season. Yeah, I'd say season. Boring. F- yeah, season five was the most angering, even though it had a lot of action because the fucking Ramsey Bolton shit is just was terrible, nonstop terrible. Yep. Um, but th- this was probably the most boring season, and I think that it corresponded with the books. Uh, see, book two. Well, you know what? I don't want to say that because books four and five were uh, <laughs> real snooze fest. Yeah, they were wandering in the desert. Um, so, but uh, it's still. Uh, and again, I, I want to repeat this: is that like even a mediocre season of Game of Thrones is better than ninety-five percent of television? So I agree it's still with you. And I, I don't see why we have to qualify or quantify ourselves, or I think it's qualify um, to our one fan. Um, he knows that we like the show. Sam Shoe. Is that You're what the boy. guy's name is? Sam Shoe? Yeah, yeah. No, no, I like Sam. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, of course we like the show. We're watching it. We're talking about it way too long. Uh, it's just uh, occasionally it'll hurt our hearts um, that it's so embarrassing sometimes or we're bad. Yes, it hurt our hearts that it's so embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. My I, heart feels hurt. All right, yeah. Um, are you, I'm looking forward to season three just because I know it's better. Yeah, I, you know, one question I want to ask you is, have you ever considered naming your next kid Dashkaline? <laughs> you know what? I think that'd be a great idea. Um, yeah. You know, naming him a plural, like the Swarm. You know those basketball teams that are like a singular plural? Yes. Like, yeah, the, like magic. the Magic? Yeah. You know, I used to work with a lady named Latrina. And one time <laughs> you know I sent her an email. First of all, I'm going to stop you right there and say you did not do that oh i 100 percent did and i i will tell you off the air where i worked with her and one time i i sent her an email and asking her a question and it auto corrected to call her latrine <laughs> that's and weird why would it get those two confused i always wonder if she had a, like a sister named toiletta <laughs> or a brother named urine al or <laughs> all right so there, i went to school with a girl and i'm not gonna say what her first name was but she had a sister her last name was dick and her sister's first name was Bina. Swear to God, I didn't believe it, but then I looked it up in a yearbook, and sure enough, parents named their kid Bina Dick. Wow. <laughs> How does that happen? That's heavy. That's heavy. All right, so uh, for a little uh, Dosh Colleen, um, <laughs> Doug, and <laughs> Brian, uh We'll say goodnight. We'll see say see you next Tuesday and also uh rate and review us on iTunes as no one has done that. Um, but I'm gonna continue to ask. And please be sure to listen to our sister podcast, uh The Shameful Dead. That comes also comes out on Tuesday and we talk about the awful show uh The Walking Dead. Uh, the sister of mine. But uh, in all seriousness, the uh the, the, the walking the ashamed of walking, whatever it is. Yep. It's, it. it's been, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I, I'm not on it, but it, I think it's been a lot of fun. Uh, very enjoyable. It, even though Doug and I are terrible, um, th- that, that podcast is a lot of fun. So please listen to it. That's, a, that's a ringing endorsement guys. Yeah. So I jump right on that. Cause I, d- I listen, I want to tell you it fucking sucks, but it doesn't. It's fun. Awesome. Despite Germain and being involved. Yes. Germain, the worst. Never invited back. All right, guys. uh, Thank you, guys. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Take care.